The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. You're with Lembit Opic on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good morning. As always, four minutes past six in the United Kingdom and uh, a lot later in the afternoon in Australia. I won't go through Perth, Melbourne, Sydney, wherever you're listening. You're most welcome to TNT Radio, the home of free speech. Perhaps you're in America. Wherever you are, our mission is to bring you the facts and our opinions to separate the two and let you make your own decision. That's the essence of true free speech. Uh, If you want to get involved in our debate, uh, then go to uh, our uh, tntradio.live site uh, and you'll find a chat which goes on there. It's always lively. It's often quite controversial and it goes into far more depth in different subjects than we have the time to do just on air. You get the most out of TNT Radio by also getting involved in the chat. You'll also find the phone numbers there if you want to call in as long as we've got time i'll be more than happy to have your calls here on tnt radio uh not just that you don't have to agree with what i'm saying well what my guests are saying and most importantly with what you think the mainstream old media wants you to believe or think here is the place where we have true debate this is the place where you can talk about any subject under the sun express your view and be respected for it that's the essence of the home of free speech, which is TNT Radio. Uh, Coming up in the show today, uh, we'll be talking to Gemma Cooper, as always, in a few minutes' time, uh, finding out what uh, she's debating and what she's found uh, important. We'll be looking at affairs of state all over the world. Uh, The Ukraine situation seems to have been taken uh, a back step, as you just heard Patrick Henningen say. Uh, We've now got the Middle Eastern uh, dispute, the conflict there in centre stage. Uh, And of course, quite a lot of... uh, demonstration and quite a lot of uh, objection to it in Australia Australia, as in the UK. Uh, And perhaps most importantly of all, uh, we've got the opportunity to explore these subjects in a depth that you won't find anywhere else. Uh, Before we go to Gemma, I want to talk about a couple of subjects. Uh, The first one I'll come back to in the second hour of the show. Uh, After all the bravado, after all the shouting, after all the screaming matches uh, between America and China, it looks like sleepy Joe Biden's making friends with the premier of China. It looked like we were heading for war a few months ago, but now perhaps they figured out that since they're doing about half a trillion dollars worth of business every year with China, they need to be friends. After all, China has the hands that built modern America. I wonder then, for those who believed hook, line and sinker, that China was evil and America was good, how they're supposed to recalibrate. That's the problem when you're fed a line and the line changes. I'll talk about that a little bit later on uh, in the show. And then there's the other massive debate in the United Kingdom, where the leader of the opposition, the man who would be Prime Minister, Keir Starmer, has already suffered a revolt on his own backbenches. A quarter of his party voted against his line when it came to his position on Palestine. Normally, at least you get into Downing Street before you become unpopular with your own party. Kirstanema has got another first there, uh, having a quarter of his party against him uh, before he's even gone into Downing Street. Now, there's a problem with that. As a former member of parliament, I can tell you, once you've rebelled once, it's a lot easier to rebel again. So Starmer now has a fifth columnist uh, group brigade in his own party. 
Uh, and I wonder how that's going to play out in the run-up to the general election. Uh, so that's going to make politics a lot more interesting. I'd like to know your views on all of that. Go to tntradio.live. Uh, that's your opportunity to have your say. Perhaps you think that uh, Starmer is a man of the people, that he's uh, eclectic and tolerant, and that's why he doesn't mind these revolts. Or maybe you think <laughs> the end of the world is nigh for him before it's even started. You let me know if you're in the Labour Party, if you're an activist, of course you've got the right to reply. If you are Keir Starmer, then why not get in touch as well? Love to give you a space to explain why it's okay to have called out a quarter of your own parliamentary party. And remember, that's been quite a divisive issue uh, in the... Uh, not just the uh, British Labour Party, but also in the Conservative Party here. Uh, all of these things are fair play and fair game uh, for you to comment on. Uh, good morning to the regulars who have already come on uh, to the chat. Uh, but why not uh, get involved even if you've never done it before? That's tntradio.live. Uh, go to the chat or phone in. You'll be most welcome. Coming up in a moment, it's Gemma Cooper with her unique and always insightful take on what's going on in the world. That's all with me, Lema Turpik, here on TNT Radio. Bringing you a world view. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Gemma Cooper, good morning. Welcome back to TNT Radio. You're always busy on, on the station. What have you been busy with this morning? Well, Lembit, I've been busy with a personal matter this morning. And it is early in the morning here in the UK. But this was such a pressing matter that it's delayed me from my TNT duties. Now, I don't think probably many listeners will want to hear about this, but I have to get it off my chest. So <laughs> I'm going to do that first. And uh, the thing is, I when I was uh, in my old life, I used to switch on every year and compare and host the annual switching on of my town's Christmas lights. And it was a duty that I absolutely relished and loved and was firmly in my matrix identity when I did it. But I, when I was a little girl, I used to love my town's Christmas lights. And um, my dad used to drive me through the high street and we'd go and have fish and chips when it was the switch on. And they are amazing. They are amazing. And so for, you know, for nearly 15 years, I was the host and the compare of the switching on of my town's Christmas lights. And it was a big deal. And I loved it. After I went on anti-lockdown marches and, and was disgraced as a domestic terrorist in the local UK tabloids, they dropped me. And they didn't even tell me they dropped me. They just dropped me. So I was no longer the host of the annual switching on of my town's Christmas lights. And it really upset me. In fact, that was probably the most upsetting thing of my whole kind of leaving of my old life, my departure from the BBC, the whole thing, the whole thing, my leaving of the BBC and all that stuff and the leaving of my old life. The thing that upset me most was that I no longer switched on my town's Christmas lights. It really, really got to me. And the fact they didn't even tell me they were dropping me, they just dropped me. Um, so I decided yesterday, because I I'm, I'm moved into a new property last year, I decided yesterday, right, okay, I'm not switching on my town's Christmas lights ever again. So I'm going to have my own. On, on the day that the town has a new compare for the sw switching on, of I will switch on my own Christmas lights. So I went out and I bought a load of lights and I put them up and those, they come with those weird suction pad things that you stick on the window and they're supposed to, you know, all that stuff. Uh, they didn't work, the suction pad. So I went around my whole flat, apartment, lodge, you know, coastal retreat and with sellotape and I stuck all these lights up everywhere. And I thought, right, I'm going to do my own. I'm going to, you can see it from space. You know, that's what I thought I'm going to do. I'm going to make this whole Christmas lights display. So I went around with all the sellotape yesterday afternoon and evening. 
stuck everything up and I thought, oh my God, this is going to look amazing. And on Monday, the 27th of November, I'm going to switch all these lights on and it's going to look fab. You know, and I was like, I was so proud of myself. You know, I thought, right, this is my comeback. You know, I'm on TNT radio now, which is way better than the BBC. And I'm going to do my own Christmas lights display. And, and, and I'm back, you know, I'm back, baby, I'm back. So I went around with all the sellotape and I stuck them all up. And I woke up at half past four this morning to go and make one of my two cups of tea. As you know, I love I know to where this is going. Thing. I know where yeah, this is going. Exactly. Yeah. And I bet everyone will, all the listeners know as well. And all the sellotape and all the things I'd stuck up had fallen down. <laughs> all my Christmas lights. <laughs> and I looked at it. I looked at it. And I looked at the dog in her bed who looked at me as if to say, what the hell is going on? Because one of the Christmas lights had fallen on her. And I thought, oh, really? Really? So instead, instead of researching what's happening in the news, I thought, right. So I got up on the sofa and on the footstool and I got the sellotape back out. And I have been busy this morning here in the UK, re refastening my Christmas lights display to the walls, to the bookcase, to the, to the ceiling, because I will not be defeated, Lembit, because this is a metaphor. I will not be defeated by the matrix. I will have my Christmas lights display. And when I switch those Christmas lights on, that will be a signal to the matrix, to my old life, that you you can't get me. I am back. And those lights are going on. And when I when those lights go on, on Monday, the 27th of November, I will be sending you a WhatsApp photo and everyone at TNT. And I'll go, look, yes, you cannot, you cannot keep a good woman down. I am back. These are my lights. You may have chucked me out of my old life, but no, I'm here and I will not be silenced. So I have got I, a story, I, but that's my, but that's go, my real I story. Your, I admire your fortitude. The two things to say, first of all, quite clearly what happened to your lights is a metaphor for the Western hegemony. Uh, the second thing is that you should never use sellotape. Uh, I mean, <laughs> sellotape is great for, for little things, but I used to tape things up when I was in a studio. They always fall down when they get warm. Always, always, always screw things into the wall. That's the only way to do it. Um, and that, the other thing I do for Christmas uh, was we used to buy a Christmas tree every year from the supermarket. What we do now, I, I, one day I just got fed up with it and I just planted. Uh, was we used to buy a Christmas tree every year from the supermarket. What we do now, I, I, one day I just got fed up with it and I just planted one and it's grown for four years in a row. And there aren't any pine needles in the house. Apathy is the mother of invention. So I, I admire <laughs> what you're doing. I admire what you're doing. And I'm doing well, it my own little tiny rebellion. One tree for the rest of my life. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, you know, it's one small step for this woman, you know, oh, but man. it's one giant leap for mankind, you know, in terms of like what I'm trying to do. It, it, it's like I won't be – they wanted to – um shut me up you know three and a half years ago and oh, it was three years ago actually now to the, to the to almost the day actually that I was frog marched out of the BBC for going on anti-lockdown for standing up for what I believed in that's it that's nothing more nothing more I'm not on social media I didn't trumpet what I was doing I didn't encourage others to do it I just stood up for what I believed in at that point and seeing the BBC's edito editorial stance on the so-called pandemic you know and that's all I did and they, every single uh, organization that I was affiliated with, and I was a very good little, you know, community person. I was mm. affiliated to loads of charities. They all wanted to shut me up and silence me. So this to me is like, you what? You can't, you can't shut me up. You can't shut any of us up. 
we know what happened and we will never forget. So when those lights go on, <laughs> and they will go on, come hell or high water, they will go on. To me, it's a metaphor for what we're all still fighting against. So I, anyway. I know you want I know you want to go to straight just to say one thing I've noticed, and this is the problem Keir Starmer has, the leader of the opposition. Once you rebel once, once you're thrown out of the tidy little establishment, it's horrible to begin with, but in the longer term, it's liberating. And I suspect that that's something which the establishment ignores at their peril. And they're creating more and more of this as we go on at the moment. But anyway, sorry. Uh, first of all, I, I hope that the counselling session was helpful to you. If you've got a story, uh, in addition to that, uh, maybe it's about Christmas. Who knows? If we're allowed like to celebrate to thank- Christmas, are we allowed to celebrate Christmas? It's 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 secular. Well, I, I, first of all, I'd like to thank you and the listeners for allowing me to get that off my chest because <laughs> when I saw the carnage this morning, it was like, oh God. Um, but I'm actually looking at the the thing that's dominating the UK headlines. And that, of course, is uh, the plans by the UK government to um, send asylum seekers to Rwanda uh, yeah. to stop the small boats policies, you know, people coming across in the uh, on the channel, and all sorts of th- things. Um, they want to send asylum seekers to Rwanda. And yesterday, uh, five judges in the Supreme Court uh, said, no, that plan is unlawful and you can't do it. Um, because they're worried that if you send people back to send people to Rwanda, Rwanda will then send them back to their home countries where they could be liable for persecution and all kinds of things. So um, this is what gets me about it. I'm not going to go into immigration. That's that's not what this is about. This is a hot uh, immigration is a hot topic for many countries. You know, the UK, Australia, America. Obviously, it's a big deal. Uh, but what uh, Rishi Sunak has said is uh, okay. Supreme Court. Um, thank you for your judgment. Bear in mind, this is the Supreme Court. Bear in mind, this is five judges. He said, okay, uh, thanks for that ruling. So we're now going to uh, uh, disregard it and, and bring in an emergency law and extraordinary legislation to, to, to do it anyway. So I wonder on this, get, bearing in mind, this took quite a while to kind of come through. If they're going to disregard the advice of five judges in the Supreme Court that said, you can't do that, that's unlawful you know, unlawful, look at the law, you can't do it. And he said, okay, well, we're going to do it anyway, under emergency law and extraordinary legislation. What else will he do that for? What else could any UK government do that for, especially coming up to, you know, in the future? Um, he's already kind of gone up against the European Court of Human Rights on this. Um, and he said he won't back down. And so it's an election winner. Obviously, we're looking at a general election here in the UK next year. And he says he wants to get this plan in place by next spring and with an election ostensibly looking like it's going to be next autumn. Um, but, you know, this is a kind of test case for other things. Mm. If you look at the, the fact that what the, the, they did for the protest last weekend at the Cenotaph, you know, let's have new laws on protests, Let you know, the online hate bill. All these things are coming in by the not by the back door. They're coming in to clamp down on freedom of speech, freedom of expression. These emergency laws that that will go against the Supreme Court, what else could you then see emergency laws, extraordinary legislation being brought in for in the future if they will go against this? Yeah, it does seem to me that um, they're willing to just ignore justice and endure morality. Uh, uh, the, the, the state and the judiciary are meant to be separate, but that's not happening in the UK. Uh, do you think that they could use this to lock us down again? 
Oh, absolutely. Yes, that's what I thought. As soon as I saw the headlines, you know, Rishi will defy the Supreme Court. I thought, well, what's the point of going through all that process? You know, it's it's a kind of window dressing exercise, isn't it? If they if they know what they want to do and they're going to do it anyway, obviously, if it's, it had to go to the High Court, the Supreme Court. But five judges, if you're going to say to those judges, well, we don't care what you say, you've ruled it unlawful. We're going to do it anyway. Are they breaking the law in that fact? If they if they if they've ruled it unlawful, and Richie says no, I mean it's an election vote winner. That's the thing. But what other issues in the future will be election vote winners, or will capture the hearts and minds of the UK public, like lockdown did for so many? Not now, but emergency law, emergency legislation, extraordinary legislation to go against the supreme court not just the will yeah. of the people but the supreme court so i think this is a an interesting one and one to watch you know because we all know at some point maybe not in our lifetime now lembit maybe not but mm. our kids and well, our kids and grandkids emergency legislation extraordinary legislation to lock us down again to make I us be, have injections I, again i i fear i fear in our lifetime i fear in our lifetime uh i'd like to think i'm gonna be around for another couple of decades but the way things are going, unless people do what TNT Radio does, which is demand truth and freedom again, we could be going into a very dark place. You mentioned the Matrix at the beginning. Maybe they want us in the Matrix at the end. Thank you, Gemma. That's Gemma Cooper. What do you think about that? Two things there. Uh, what do you think about the fact that the British Prime Minister has ignored the advice of essentially the Supreme Court of the United Kingdom? That's what it amounts to, uh, in order to do something that he thinks is politically expedient if he can do it for this, he can do it for everything else. Or do you think that uh, you're quite pleased that Rishi Sunak is ignoring the judiciary and doing something that she promised to do? And what about the Christmas lights, the ostracism of Gemma Cooper from a position she loved? Why does this happen? And to what extent do we live in a cancel culture? You can have your say uh, at tntradio.live. Go to the chat or you can phone in. The numbers are there as well. Coming up next, we've got uh, Simeon Boykov, a fellow TNT presenter. He'll be talking about Australian politics and what the Australian Premier did next. All of that with me, Lemper Topic, here on TNT Radio. You should hear what Patrick Henningsen's talking about. So all the Israelis are really escalating air attacks and bombing attacks uh, to a degree that we haven't even seen before. Why this escalation? Why is it happening right now? This is a big problem. And this has been going on now for four weeks, ladies and gentlemen. And still no calls for a ceasefire, no definitive or categorical calls anyway from the U.S. leadership, from those who, from the onset, let's face it, they were backing this military action by Israel uh, on the Gaza Strip. And everybody thought, well, how bad could it be? How long could it go? Here we are. Are a month later. We're still here. We're still talking to you. We're still reporting this. And another hospital was uh, hit last night as well. Well over 30 medical facilities and hospitals have been uh, hit and uh, taken out of action, in some cases pulverized by the Israeli occupation forces, or the IDF as it's uh, widely known. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT Radio. She used to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future, with nutritious food to eat, a chance to learn, to get an education, and do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams.
by ensuring that they have access to health care, education, life skills, and more, so they can grow, thrive, and believe in themselves. Gracias. Gracias. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. A hoax about carbon dioxide in the climate has caused a global energy and economic disaster. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Greetings, one and all. It's uh, 24 minutes past six in the morning in the UK, Greenwich Mean Time, uh, somewhere around uh, 11 hours later uh, on the east coast of Australia. Uh, wherever you are, welcome to the home of free speech, TNT Radio. And uh, I'm Len Botopic. Uh, I'll be with you for about the next 95 minutes. Joining me joining me next, it's another fellow presenter. That's uh, Simeon Boykoff, uh, who's joining me from Australia. Uh, good afternoon to you, Simeon. And I understand your premise yeah has been out and about again up to no good good afternoon good afternoon Lambert, and to all our listeners uh in in the uk with an update uh, from australia well uh not our premier but the senator uh wow. for one nation the one nation leader pauline hansen making headlines today in australia uh, quite a confronting performance uh, in parliament today uh she issued a very bleak warning about the future of australia claiming that uh, Anthony Albanese, the country's prime minister, is comparable to a Russian dictator. Now, uh, this uh, announcement uh, came referencing the bleak future of Australia in regards to the economic future, in regards to where we're going. She did say a few strange things. She said that um, we will be... uh, toiling longer for less, eventually for nothing, just like they did in the old Soviet Union or under Joe Stalin. Of course, uh, it was uh, met with uh, giggles and smiles in the parliament. She said, I'm I'm going to give an insight into the future of Australia under Labor, the Greens and the Coalition, and those who don't have a backbone. Now, she compared Albo to Stalin. Well, the difference is between Stalin and Albo. Stalin did have a backbone. And uh, I want to say, uh, on behalf of all past and present and emerging Russian dictators. That's an outrageous delegation, quite defamatory. It's it's actually an insult to the memory of all Russian dictators to compare them with Anthony Albanese. I would say that Anthony Albanese is the furthest from a Russian dictator they could ever see. Uh, Anthony Albanese does not have the balls of a Russian dictator. And um, he may be a dictator, but he's not a dictator. Uh, now, <laughs> the, the the main thing is here. The main thing is here with uh, Pauline Hanson. She's been always um, very colourful and very uh, controversial in all of her uh, statements. Uh, for for your listeners in the UK, I mean uh, Pauline Hanson. Who is she? She's a fish and chip shop owner from uh, rural Queensland uh, who rose through the ranks after making some very very strong uh, uh, and robust outspoken comments about migration very opposed to migration into Australia. And she's very become quite popular, and she's even more popular now because of the migration problem that we do have in this country. Senator Hanson uh, also claimed in Parliament today that uh, Australians would be confined to their homes and work for nothing if the country continued to push for things such as more renewable energy projects and a cashless society. She warned steak dinners and Sunday lamb roasts would become a thing of the past and that they would be replaced by a mix of meals, including lentils and worms, much to the amusement of those present 
in the parliamentary chamber. <laughs> so poor old uh, the Russian dictators, having been con co compared to Albanese, uh, I'm not quite sure that that's the best comparison to make. Uh, at least the Russian dictators, at least they were robust, at least they did things for their country. Albanese is not at all that type of person. He's not robust. He doesn't have the balls. He's not a leader. And he doesn't command the type of respect that, although they may have been bloody and murderous and whatever you want to say about the Russian dictators, and there have been many of them in the last you know, few hundred years, yeah. at least they weren't pushovers but like Albo is. Well, yeah, so in other words, I was wrong in my introduction. He's not up to no good. He's just not up to anything, really. But he is up to some things. He, he's fairly supportive of censorship. He's fairly supportive of being big mates with uh, other countries while he's got problems at home. Albanese hasn't been completely idle, has he? He's certainly racking up the air miles. Certainly, he's doing everything he can for people uh, overseas and in other countries, and uh, Australians are more or less sick of that. What's funny, you mentioned... Um, Breaking up air miles, it's, it may be a coincidence or maybe just uh, by chance, but Albanese <clears throat> made the announcement to evacuate Tuvalu, the island of 11,000 people, and straight after his trip to China. Now, I wonder if he discussed that with the Chinese premier uh, while, he was, while he was over there. If he did, if that was an announcement that they agreed on, why? Maybe the Chinese are moving in. Maybe, the, maybe Tuvalu is the sacrificial lamb which Australia is bringing uh, to the altar of uh, the Pacific diplomacy to appease the Chinese. I'm just speculating here, purely opinion and not based on anything concrete, but I'll leave that to our listeners uh, to decide. Uh, strange well, things happen you. in the world and China looks at the long-term game, the 100-year game, it, the 1,000-year game. Albert looks at what he's doing next week. Um, it's interesting you should say that because Tuvalu is meant to be potentially evacuated on account of the climate crisis, rising sea levels. But as I've mentioned before, Tuvalu has gained 2.9% in land area across the last half century. Gained. thats It's bigger than it was before. But maybe that's proof that it's sinking. I don't think so. But <laughs> I do understand that uh, Alba is pretty keen on being friends with China, but he's not the only one. Maybe we'll talk next time about Did you, uh, did you hear Biden. about the... Um... The German ship uh, contacting the British Coast Guard with a mayday call. Go on. The German ship off the coast of Britain during a storm uh, radioed in to the British Coast Guard and said, British Coast Guard, this is a German ship. We are sinking. We are sinking. Mayday. And the British answered, this is the British Coast Guard. What are you thinking about? <laughs> Oh dear! Uh, stick to the day job, <laughs> Simeon. <laughs> that's a, that's it's jokes like that that forced me out of professional stand-up comedy. Uh, thanks so much indeed, Simeon. Simeon, the comedian, the commentator, the spokesperson. What do you think of what he said? Uh, get involved in the chat. Uh, you go to uh, uh, tntradio.live and the chat room is there for you. You can also uh, go to the phone numbers uh, if you want to come in uh, to our debate. Uh, this is the home of free speech. This is where you can say what you think is right, uh, whatever that rightness is. Uh, and uh, you don't always have to agree with what we're saying. You might feel the exact opposite. Uh, uh, Albanese, Mr. Albanese, if you want to call in, you'll be most welcome to put the record straight. Coming up next, we've got Senator Malcolm Roberts about a petition signed by over 150,000 Australians who seem to be objecting to a cashless society. What's all that about? You'll find out right here with me, Lemon Dopic, on TNT Radio. TNT. Here's what's making news. TNT Radio News.
Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. There were violent scenes in Washington on Wednesday night as hundreds of pro-Palestinian protesters rushed the Democratic Party's headquarters, demanding a ceasefire in Gaza. Iran's reportedly told Hamas it has no intention of entering the war. Turkey Air's president has lashed out at Israel, calling it a terrorist state. And President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping have agreed to restore communication between the two nations' militaries. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Uh, greetings. Just after half past six in the morning in the United Kingdom, I won't race around the clock all over the world. Just look up and look at your phone. And you'll know what time it is. Uh, wherever you are, it is time for truth. That's what TNT Radio is all about, the home of free speech. Uh, if you want to make a comment, uh, the place to go is the chat. Uh, I can see it's pretty lively there. Haven't had time to go to that yet. Patience, everybody. Uh, Josh and uh, Mali Bites, uh, all of you, uh, you've been pretty lively already. I'll try and get to that in a short while. But the person I really want to speak to now is Senator Malcolm Roberts, who joins us now about the interesting pushback on cashless societies. Uh, it seems that over 150,000 Australians have objected to the idea of a cashless society. Why? Isn't it convenient? Isn't it the future? I'm not sure everyone agrees with that. Uh, Senator, welcome back to TNT Radio. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, and truth, truth is in short supply, as far as I can see at the moment, <laughs> because we're being told, don't worry about the future. You don't need money in your pocket. Everything can be done by card. What's your take on cashless societies? Uh, they remove choice. And with, with choice going, they remove uh, responsibility. You know, I used to use credit cards and I still have one, but I tend to carry cash with me now, a lot more cash, so that I pay everything with cash, groceries, motels, anything at all. Um, and if someone says to me, well, we don't take cash, I say, well, I don't buy your product. So, uh, you know, sometimes I use it for the internet, uh, buying things over the phone. But um, they, want it, they want, when they can control what you buy, and that's what a cashless society gives them, control over what you buy, then they have control over you. What was his name? Uh, Kissinger said, "If you can, if you can control someone, if you can control the continent's food, energy, and money, you control the continent." And that's what they're after. Uh, I have been using cash this week because I was robbed in central London in the Strand on Saturday night, and they took my credit cards. Uh, it's uh, therefore been forced upon me to return to a cash society. What's interesting to me, though, with that experience is, if there wasn't cash. I'd have been completely, absolutely up the creek without a paddle yep. because and, I wouldn't be able to travel or anything. Yep. And, and you know, the other thing, Lembert, is they're trying to force us onto uh, a bank system so that every transaction, they get a fee. Every transaction. Whereas withdrawing cash, there's no penalty in this country. There's no fee. Um, and and so when you use cash at a, at a, um, a, a retailer or a seller, there's no, there's no fee again. So uh, it avoids... As, as the article you sent us from Epoch Times says, it avoids thousands of dollars in fees every year. And that's after cash, after tax rather. So when you think about the cost of living pressures Australian families on due to this government's dishonesty and stupidity, uh, it's enormously beneficial to carry cash as well as the freedom aspects which we talked about. It's a lower, lowers the cost of living. To, to play devil's advocate here, is it not possible to create a system which is robust and which is safe uh, my parents came from Estonia and Estonia, it seems to me, they do have fairly good checks and balances. Is, or, or is that a naive aspiration? 
have a look at what's happened in Western, Western uh, societies, major countries, Canada, America, New Zealand, Australia, Britain, lots of Europe, uh, what's happened over the last four years, and that, that answers your questions. They're trying to take away, take away freedom and choice and, and smash us with control. That's what they're, they're doing. Uh, these are so-called democracies, and yet they have lost the, you know, in a, democ- in, a, in a tyrannical government, the government controls the people. In a democracy, supposedly, Lambert, Lambert the, um, the, the people control the government, and we have lost control of government because we've been apathetic, because we've been too, too lazy uh, democratically to enforce our voting, to, to think about our voting and hold people accountable. So we've, we're now, we've got to turn that around, and one of the ways of doing it is not buying conventional media, not buying the conventional parties and looking at to the alternative parties, not using credit cards, using cash. Choice has got to come back. That brings accountability. Uh, you'll be glad to know Michael Howell says, Malcolm Roberts, now there's a worthy prime minister. So uh, <laughs> there's a career opportunity. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> You've got at least two votes, assuming you vote for yourself. <laughs> uh, the, You're saying my wife won't vote for me? <laughs> I, I, I've long ago stopped interfering in domestic disputes. <laughs> no, no, um, no dispute there, but anyway. Uh, I'm only speaking for myself, yeah. <laughs> biographically there. Uh, I'm, I've never been completely convinced my, my, my former partners were voting for me, but never lost by a vote. <laughs> one, of the things about, one of the things about the um, situation of cashless society is the fear that we are then tracked and that uh, cynical or uh, paranoid government could actually essentially map everything we do in a way that that the, the search engines do anyway for commercial reasons. Is there any evidence that that's already happening? They're putting cameras up around our country uh, in, in provincial cities like Bundaberg, which only has 70,000 people, small by European standards, and middle of the road by Australian standards, well short of 5 million in, in Sydney, for example. But we know they're tracking people, and we know that the councils that are installing them at, at uh, various road intersections don't want the scrutiny. They've banned people from council meetings, which is something for an issue there. But the other thing, so, so there is evidence that they're starting to do that. There is strong evidence in your country, I believe, Lambert, um, and, and, and starting to connect it with the 15-minute with the cities. Um, but also the other point to remember is that uh, we've just had an Optus, uh, one of our telcos, an Optus uh, breakdown of the internet. And so this is very important for national security because um, cash, dis- cash was absolutely king. Uh, during the Optus shutdown of the internet for a couple of days. And, uh, you know, businesses without cash would have gone under. Without Customers would have, without cash would have not been able to choose essential, buy essential services and products. So it saved the businesses. It saved customers. Um, and that's why we've seen a number of posts recently that say simply cash rules. Even the, even the Perth Mint, Perth Royal Mint, came out and said cash is king. So for reliability uh, purposes... We need to make sure that we have cash. Choice is essential. National security, we've got to have cash because the first thing that happens in a war is the telco, is the uh, communication system is taken out. And that destroys our, our economy. That's interesting. Uh, Estonia, again, was the first nation to officially suffer a cyber attack. And it's it's very, very electronic there. Uh, they've mm. skipped a few generations, indeed, of, of electronics and gone straight to the most advanced and for about three days, 
the country was paralyzed because people couldn't use the internet. And it was a salutary warning for what happens if you go digital instead of physical. Uh, just, just one more question then. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Joe Biden closing up to the Chinese again suddenly. But if either of those countries really got angry with the other one, surely the first thing they would do is disable the electronic systems through Correct. a massive cyber attack. Yes, that, that's what I was discussing just a, a few seconds ago. Um, the other thing to notice here, I only found this out from one of my uh, staff team, is that you're aware of Australia's, uh, most of the people live on the East Coast. There's a, there's a massive area with very sparse population in the middle. And then in the West Coast, you've got Perth and, and Western Australia. The traffic, if we want to connect through the internet with people in Western Australia, I'm on the East Coast. So if we want to connect with someone in the West Coast, the call or the connection goes via China. And if someone in Western Australia wants to come back to me, the connection goes via China. I mean, look at that. We're, we're reliant on the Chinese to maintain our internet connection. I mean, th this is absolutely mad. It, it, this is why I don't believe that the United States and China can ever go to war because China built the United States. And I suspect there are a few backdoors in the software, but we'll see if it all goes horribly wrong. Um, it's always a great pleasure to speak to you, Senator. Thanks very much for joining us again. Uh, and uh, keep 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 the cash handy, uh, especially if you're walking around with me and I get robbed. Uh, we've been we've been fighting to keep uh, regional banks open and re and ATMs in regions and in the metropolitan areas open because it's essential to have cash. They're trying to get rid of it, the banks, because they're they're they're, made, they're controlling interests are BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, etc. So it's it's part of the globalist uh, agenda. So it's Malcolm Roberts. If I was in Australia, I'd vote for you. <laughs> Malcolm Roberts for Prime Minister. Thanks so much indeed. Thank what you, do you think about cash? What do you think of cashless societies? Uh, do you think that there's a place for cash? Do you think there's a place for cashless societies? Do you think that we've given our independence and actually our privacy away uh, de facto just by uh, carrying cards instead of money? Let me know what you think. Go to tntradio.live. Go to the chat. Uh, or you can find the phone numbers there as well. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about COVID. Uh, we're going to talk about immunizations, vaccinations uh, with an expert. I'm Lemba Turpik. This is TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, another big climate meeting is coming up. This one is, what, COP28? And apparently its report is a real doozy. I can only imagine. But here's the crazy question. If it's COP28, is the planet in better shape as far as oh, growing food economically overall than it was 28 years ago or whenever the first one was? So what is all the panic about? Here in the United States, the Weather Channel, I don't know why they're calling themselves the Weather Channel anymore, just call yourself the Global Warming Channel, is explaining that things are really getting out of control here in the United States. So naturally, I put on the map of where all the weather stations are around the world, and they're currently 0.16 Fahrenheit above normal. The United States has had no significant heating in the last 25 years, and yet we hear that we are warming up 
20% faster than everyone else. Now, where the heck does that come from, given the bulk of the warming is up in the Arctic? But this is the kind of stuff you're getting. And the problem is that the population is simply being bombarded with it in a consistent fashion, and there's very low resistance. So what's the moral of the story? Well, I've always told you I have deep spiritual roots and a deep belief in God, and every night I thank God for TNT and him letting me be the climate and weather watchdog. This is meteorologist Joe Bastardi, TNT's climate and weather watchdog, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you get. Challenging the consensus and debunking the narrative this is Viewpoint. Anglo-American instigated regime change wars in recent decades have had a tragic outcome. Remember President George W. Bush's threat to Saddam Hussein in November 2002? If he refuses to disarm, then we will lead a coalition of the willing and disarm him. This threat was based on lies concocted under British Prime Minister Tony Blair that Saddam Hussein could unleash weapons of mass destruction in 45 minutes. More than one million Iraqis have died as a result of the conflict in their country since the US-led invasion in 2003. The Watson Institute for International and Public Affairs reports that as of 2021, 9.2 million Iraqis are internally displaced or refugees abroad. Regime change wars have left failed states, hotbeds of terrorism, and a refugee crisis not seen since World War II. You're with Lembit Opic on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Greetings. It's uh, around quarter to seven in the UK. That's Greenwich Mean Time. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, wherever you are. Thanks for joining us here at TNT Radio, the home of free speech, where we really try to put the facts back into the reporting. We will share our opinions, but we'll always make it clear when we're doing that. I'd like you to do the same. Share your opinions and correct us on the facts when you think we've got them wrong. Uh, go to tntradio.live uh, and you can get involved in the chat. Uh, uh, Bice and Josh are in some kind of um, altered reality in their conversation on the chat, though I do find it amusing. Uh, uh, Anto says toys, they were like Lego. I don't know the context, but I loved Lego. That's all I can tell you. That's all I can add to that one. Uh, do keep your calls and com comments coming. Particularly interested to know what you think about cashless societies. Convenient, perhaps, but not when the systems go down. Or perhaps you think that, once again, we're scaremongering. And by and large, these systems work fine. Do you carry cash? Do you think cash is still king? Or are we living in the past? Is it even possible to live in a, in a cash-filled society when so much of it is digital. Let me know at tntradio.live. Uh, let's go on to another subject, uh, which has been really occupying an increasing number of people around the world. And that's a question of COVID-19, vaccine safety, immunization strategies. And we're joined by Professor Edward J. Steele now, who knows a lot about all of that. Uh, Professor, thanks for joining us on TNT Radio. Good, thank you, uh, Limbic. Yes, I'm sorry, I've, uh, the, they got the, they got the time slightly wrong. That's why I look a bit hot and hot and sweaty. But anyway, I'll be right. People in the United Kingdom would give anything to feel hot and sweaty. Yes. It's just the warm, wet westerlies. I learned about them in geography when I was 12, and I've yes. been living them for the last 46 years. I would swap any time with you. Um, I was in Okarula some time ago with uh, my good friend, Doug Sprigg, who lives up there. And I thought that was actually, to me, the perfect climate. It was just dramatic, um, sun-drenched. 
and fresh. So uh, anytime, if you just want to do a house swap for six months, I'll do it every winter, every winter. I probably know more about British weather than you do, but you know a lot more about uh, immunization uh, than I yeah. do. Uh, I've noticed increasingly, as somebody who actually had a vaccine injury, the third one really messed me up. Uh, I take this really seriously. Yeah. Um, but it seems to me that, what, I, what I'm going to say then go on here yeah, well you go ahead I mean I I want to know to what extent this all of this debate was described as conspiracy theory and people were fired for mm. suggesting that there was something wrong with the vaccine strategy mm. let's get straight to your take on it well um it everything that was called first of all everything that was called a conspiracy theory has turned out to come true that's the first point but I was there three three or four years ago watching it unfold and it was clear to us, uh, well, first of all, I'm a, I'm a mucosal immunologist, I'm a research immunologist, so I have a lot of years' experience and I've worked experimentally and conceptually and, and in every other way with the immune system. But mucosal immunology was how I started 50, 50 years ago. And it was clear as the vaccine was being rolled out and on the intensity of the of, of the infections, it was clear. The first thing was clear that we we're probably dealing with a common cold. This was pretty clear after three or four months, actually, and that it was mainly dangerous for you know the elderly, um, the immune defenseless elderly comorbid people that always suffer from respiratory tract infections during cold and cold and, and flu seasons. So that was the first thing that it wasn't a serious infection, and we've never tried to develop a vaccine for the common cold before, but we tried here with COVID. That was the first big mistake. It wasn't a serious disease, but it was definitely a pandemic. It was definitely global. I, would, I won't go into all of the details on that or why I can say that with confidence, mm -hmm. because that will get, get us involved in other areas of, uh, of, um, of I've, sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, I've no had, go, on, go on, go on. Yeah, look, I, I just had to turn off, turn off my sound. Now, um, the important thing is it was a common cold, and it was clear that therapies were required to look after the elderly people here in Australia. And it was the same story everywhere writ large with lots of good statistics. It was the, it, you know, the mean age was about between 80 and 90 for those that really suffered badly from COVID-19 respiratory tract infection. And they need therapies. They need uh, antivirals. They need antibiotics. They need anti-inflammatories, they have to stop the severe pneumonia and the bronchitis that progresses with these sort of infections, certainly not vaccination. And it was clear right at the start that I couldn't believe what was what was unfolding. That they were they were giving a shot in the arm to protect your mucosal immune system, you know, your, your, your mucosal surface. And, and it's clear that those sorts of infections can't be protected that way. Now, that means that the criticism I'm going to level now is also that, you know, the come on and get yourself updated for your annual annual flu shot. That's bogus as well. You see, and it's not just me saying this, and many other scientists are saying it. Anthony Fauci's now finally saying it in a big paper earlier this year. Fauci? Fauci is saying it. He's published the, <laughs> after we've all been screaming and publishing about it all, he's now come in and agreed, but we're all right. Yes, it, that, that was earlier in the year. But the important thing is you've got to induce local mucosal immunity of the nose, the mouth and the respiratory tract for common colds, flus, whooping cough, all those things that come in that way and cause respiratory compl complications. And uh, that's not being done with the shot in the arm because we know from many experiments and much work by many other scientists that that can't possibly induce that immunity. Okay, so that was the first big mistake we could see unfolding. 
But then this thing was highly dangerous. This it was it was a, a very novel genetic engineered mRNA vaccine or a variant of it. And it was extremely dangerous, just on conceptual grounds, it was dangerous because you know it can the mRNA can spread from the injection site, can get into other cells, can can make cells that look perfectly normal, turn them into potential tumor cells. So the body's trying to attack them, thinking we've got tumors all over the body. No wonder there were complications with the vaccine rollout. And of course, it gets worse. If you get if you if you keep hitting up the shots, there is a relationship between the number of shots and the severity of the of the adverse events. So that's another serious problem. But none of that's being admitted officially by any of the official authorities. They all know about it. Everyone knows this data now. It's all publicly available data. But no one's admitting fault because probably because too many people were involved in high places. But mm. the people that profited, though, were the pharmaceutical companies. There's no question about that. They profited. And here in Australia, we've got... We've got a rolling propaganda campaign, would you believe, in the National Newspaper yesterday and a couple of weeks ago, urging people, you know, in nursing homes and aged care to go and get boosted for, you know, the coming wave of COVID and flu. You better get yourself updated with flu at the same time. And by the way, you can get two for the price of one. This is how they're selling it. We can give you a double shot now that'll give you both for protection against COVID and flu. And both of them are completely useless. Now, when I say that, I'm not denigrating my entire profession i'm just saying that the, the that everything's got you know has got been has been sidelined by huge money and financial consideration and the basic science has been ignored and uh that's the biggest tragedy in all this now the main reason why i suppose i got well they got in touch with me at tnt here in australia yesterday was the front page article in the australian and the front page here in queensland urging all this stuff you know go and get boosted and most of the main players that were doing that advocacy, as you would have well remembered in Britain, there were certain doctors and certain scientists that were, you know, prominent in urging people to go and get the shot. Well, we had the same group in Australia, but most of those have gone silent. And they've gone silent because they know of this fact that Fauci admits it was a massive public health failure and the shot in the arm can't protect you from the, these respiratory tract infections. So the science behind the whole thing has totally collapsed. You've got to understand that. And they're also extremely dangerous as well. So, Limbic, you know, that's really a starting point. And if I sound a bit exasperated, anyone in my position that knows the facts would be exasperated now watching all of this stuff still unfold a year or two after the thing is supposed to have ended. So essentially, well, obviously some vaccines work. I recognise that some very serious debilitating diseases uh, have been dealt with but it seems to me what you're saying is and i know i'm oversimplifying this now we yeah. tried to cure the common cold and yeah. all we've done is create a vaccination nightmare for our own bodies exactly because that leads me into a very important point when you when you inject antigens into your you know systemically into the arm you activate what's called the systemic or blood immune system right to be to be simple about it and that's a quite different type of immunity from the immunity that that should be induced in the in the nose and mouth and respiratory tract that blood immunity is a is a sort of a, an inflammatory type of immunity do you, do you understand what i'm getting at you know designed to yeah. clear infections from the blood but for the for the the antibodies that are required in the Yes, in, in the respiratory tract, are totally different types of antibodies that, that, might, that might appear in the blood. So 
It's a different type of immunity, but it's totally useless but dangerous for the person. And the repeated shots is called hyperimmunization. That's an experimental procedure. You don't do that to human beings. I, so, I, I, had, I had COVID and it wasn't very nice. Uh, I recovered. And then I was made to get the vaccines. And I did it because I couldn't see a way of not doing it and, and being allowed out because of essentially the police curfew uh, that was imposed. But I'm guessing you would say those vaccines were completely pointless or even counterproductive for my body, having experienced COVID at first yes, hand. That's why I said it's, it's close to the bone for someone like you. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's terrible for you to find this out. But one, they were totally useless. And second, they were totally dangerous. Not for everybody, but a significant fraction. You know, all these elevated deaths in all of the Western Western world, uh, all of these, you know, Israel's a case in point where we, we, we clearly can see the danger because it's a small, highly... Uh, you know, coordinated country and where the people, the population do what they're told because of all, all just the way they have to live their life. Um, in the year and a half before the vaccine rollout and, and the waves of COVID went through Israel, there were all sorts of, you know, common, you know, problems with COVID. They had in the elderly people, but only in the elderly people. Not, not you know, mostly, you know, the population handled it easily. But because the test wasn't picking up those symptoms, of course, everyone got, you know, labelled as PCR positive. But the point is, in that first year and a half, there were no heart complications of the type we saw in the next year and a half when the vaccine got rolled out in Israel. It was striking, it went up a hundredfold, you know, striking, all sorts of, but that's, that was just the tip of the iceberg. So there we have a population-wide controlled experiment that showed a direct causal relationship between vaccination, total vaccination of the population then, and boosted, and heart complications. In other words, healthy, healthy people. So that's why we've, you know, the, the evidence is clear now, and it's not just clear from Israel, it's clear everywhere that that was the problem. All of these things are to do with the systemic immunity, it excites inflammatory reactions, and the mRNA complicates things because the mRNA being like a, a genetic, genetic vector gets into cells, starts getting expressed, say, I'm just giving you a you know, hypothetical example, it gets expressed in the epithelial cells aligning the heart, and, and the body says, my God, we've, got a, we've either got a new antigen or we've got a, new, we've got a tumour you know, occurring on the heart. We've got to get rid of it. So the body mounts an immune response to try and get rid of it. You can, just see, you can see what's going on here. Yeah. I want to have you back for more detailed discussion on this. Thank you for now, uh, Professor. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, I've dominated a bit. But no, um, no, 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 I absolutely, you're here. I know what I think. I want to know what you think. And so do yeah. our listeners. So I'm very grateful for what you said and for your passion as well. So don't yeah. apologize for anything. That's why you're here. And we'll definitely have you back, Professor. What do you think about what you heard? Are you concerned about vaccines? Have you been vaccine injured? Uh, let me know at tntradio.live. I want to get one quick call in. We only got a short while, but uh, I think we've got, uh, yes, we've got Dan uh, from New South Wales. Want to talk uh, about the Pauline Hansen uh, comment? Uh, uh, Dan, only a short moment, but I'd love to get you in. Yeah, uh, Lambert, you had Simeon on, and he was mocking Pauline. And then yeah. two minutes later, you had Senator Roberts on, who's you know the second person in her political party, which she's the leader. Very disrespectful. Mm. Now, mm. I just want to say I love Pauline because she's an absolute champion. <laughs> for Australia and has been for decades. She led the way. She's been talking about the New World Order for nearly three decades, Lambert, and warning everyone. And for Simeon to come on and start mocking her like that right before the senator came on is so disrespectful. Um, 
Yeah, I don't like Simeon because he's such a spiteful, nasty man to anyone who he thinks is on the other side. Pauline is a champion of Australia. You need to learn some respect. She, she, she's like the mother of this country, just about the what she's done, leading the way. Okay, and she's a very deeply spiritual woman. She's has a deep prophetic gift that what she talks about, Lambert, 20 years later comes true. And everyone goes, oh, wow, Pauline was yeah. right. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't give you long there. Do feel free to call again. I I give you the right to reply there. I, I, I note your comment. I, I'm not in a position to uh, take a side on that. Uh, so uh, Dan takes a different view. I'll talk about that just after the break as well. Uh, and after the break, we'll have Gemma Cooper back as well with her views. And Dan, stay on, stay listening and maybe stay on the line. We'll talk a little bit more in a few minutes' time. This is Lemotopic. This is TNT Radio. <laughs> 